0: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is overtime open line interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, six thirty channel.
1: On the right wing, and Nurse will come out. He's got McDavid. Nurse will skate down the right wing over the line. Nurse to pass, McDavid scores!
0: What a rush. Connor McDavid, he puts it in and the Oilers win 3-2 in overtime.
2: The 50th shot of the game for the Edmonton Oilers makes the difference 3-2 in overtime against the Vancouver Canucks. Nurse down the right side in front, McDavid flips it in to end the game his 20th of the season as the Oilers pull it out Another comeback from 2-0 down. They were down 2-0 after the first period Saturday against Calgary. 2-0 after two tonight. Ryan McLeod scored from a sharp angle at 633. And then Leon Dreisaitl with his patented one-timer at 1024 as the Oilers kept the pressure on after a power play expired, got his 29th. That got it into overtime. And the Oilers beat Spencer Martin, the 26-year-old for the Canucks, just making his second Appearance of the season and just the fifth in the NHL in his career. Well, he was pretty good, but he's still looking for his first victory. Miko Koskinen, meanwhile, gets the victory. 25 saves tonight. He faced two breakaways, both of them shorthanded, both by Tyler Mott. Mott scored in the second period. Koskinen denied him in the third, and that allowed the Oilers to tie it up a little bit later on. Pretty entertaining game, and we'll go back to Vancouver. Here's Dave Tippett
3: to work its way back in this hockey game what did you make of your team's effort
4: tonight i thought we were strong the whole game you know we were down two. we felt like we were uh, we were playing well so we had to stick with it in the third mcleod got a, a big goal for us to get going then our power play really dominated for a couple minutes and finished one and and then it was exciting we had lots of chances to win it and i was uh, i was glad to see the final one go in
3: miko koskin probably wanted that first penalty kill goal yeah. against back but he, did he make up for it with that save? Made second?
4: a huge, made a huge save. We don't, we don't get that save. It's uh, you know they go up by two again, and it's, it's uh, you're chasing, you know. So he, uh, he evened things out for us there.
3: What did you make of Nugent Hopkins play, especially on that pass to Drysaddle?
4: Real strong. Like he just, he touches so many parts of the game. He's a strong player, really smart, and uh, he's still getting up to speed when you miss that much time. But he played a real strong game tonight.
5: What's the mindset? Like, I mean, a goaltender you haven't seen, you probably don't know much about, and he has a game like that. How do you? Like, what's the approach on the bench? What do you say to guys as that
4: goes on? You know, you don't even talk about that. You're, you're talking about what your team's doing and keep going. And, you know, we had our normal scouting report on him. Our, our goaltender coach does a good job of bringing guys up to speed. But we just had to stay with it. We had lots of chances. We just had to stay with it and found a way to get the two points. What does
5: it say? It's 2 nothing down two games in a row and you
4: found a way to come back. What does it say? Yeah, it's not, not, ideal, uh, not ideal, but it's nice that we find ways to come back. That uh, shows a lot of will on our team.
3: How much significance, Dave, could a comeback win like this, especially after snapping a seven game losing streak on Saturday, could that impact the rest of not only this week, this month, but the season?
4: You start building up again, you know, when you're when you're not winning, especially you, you know, we felt like there were some games we, we were losing. We weren't we were playing all right, but to find ways to win that gets you know, it gets contagious. So it, throughout our group you get you build that confidence back and then hopefully we can go on a good run the other way. A, a
3: good time for uh, McDavid to get off the schneid of the goal column, yeah, of course.
4: Very much so, yeah. He's he's around it a lot. Just it's nice to see one go in for him. All right, that's Dave Tippett, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, as they score a
2: 3-2 overtime win against the Canucks. Edmonton carried the play. Uh, I, I mean, we, we got to point out here, the shot's 50-27. to 27, The shot attempts, so that includes blocked shots and shots that went wide, were 94-43, and uh, at one time they flashed the offensive zone time in the third period, and it was over 2-1 in favor of the Oilers. So they stick with it and get the win tonight. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center for Heartland ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, I want to start here. I've been watching hockey all my life. You were lucky enough to play in the NHL for several seasons. The smartest decision the National Hockey League has ever made... (laughs) <laughs> is introducing three-on-three three overtime. I mean, I know the Oilers carried the play, but it's just constant tension. And one puck bobble, one little turnover could decide the game. I mean, it is just so amazing to watch.
6: It is, and it's funny. When the NHL first put in shootouts, remember how excited it was? We were, well, right? There's a shootout. It's the best in the world going one-on-one. And we, and it was fun. It was fun to watch. Yet it pales so much in comparison to a three-on-three overtime, when the best in the world have all that space, it's chance after chance. Uh, it w- that was exciting, and it would. Be, we've seen a number of ones where the Oilers haven't won in overtime yet, were just as exciting because yes, it it's a the stress, the stress for both teams, for both coaches, going back and forth, and it's one of those ones. In a normal game, if you get a an odd man break, and, and you don't score, the only fact that you didn't score. In overtime, if you have an odd man break and you miss it, normally it turns into an odd man break going the other way, whether it be a two on one or a breakaway. So the stress level of of failing to capitalize on an odd man is huge when it comes to three on three overtime. Uh, a ton of fun, and this is one of those. As a Oilers fan, you're ecstatic the way that this game finished. As a hockey fan, you, you have a little bit of sadness for Spencer Martin and the game that he put up, and he wasn't able to get his first. NHL, so the, the Oilers beat the Calgary Flames the other day, and everyone was excited about it. But I, to me, the Oilers weren't the better team for most of that game. Tonight in this game for 65 or whatever, and it's for superior to the Vancouver Canucks. Even when they were down 2 nothing, the Oilers were the better team through the first 40 minutes and were rewarded. Yeah, it took time, but were rewarded with the big two points.
2: So three two is the final. That means a three hundred dollar donation to six thirty. Ched Santa's anonymous from James H Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. James H Brown given hundred dollars every time the Oilers score throughout the season. So after getting the uh, sh- getting shut out by Florida a few days ago, the Oilers now have scored eight in their last two games. Ryan Nugent Hopkins returns. Rob and uh, I-, I think we saw the impact that he can have now the Oilers tying goal by Leon Draisaitl was after a power play expired where the Oilers had tremendous pressure. I mean, just insane the chances they had a couple misses. Martin made a couple of great saves. And then we see Nugent Hopkins and, and look, Yamamoto has been in that spot. And, and I think you and I both agree Yamamoto works really hard and is a smart hockey player, but, Nugent Hopkins delivers a pass to Dreisaitl that I think very few players, I mean, maybe very few players would have even tried, let alone converted.
6: Well, it wasn't a power play goal, but it was a goal that was created by their power play. And in all honesty, on four, the Vancouver Canucks were probably better prepared to defend than they were when the fifth guy came on the ice, because by that point, their four defenders were exhausted. They couldn't even move. And that's why Nugent Hopkins had so much time to make the play. Is no one was going <laughs> to rush him because they had, didn't have the energy. What you love about Nugent Hopkins, and this is watch the the good players in the National Hockey League to compare to the average the average player. The puck will come to them, and then they'll look to make a play. The good players will have already found where that puck is going. And Nugent Hopkins looks before the puck gets to him. He read the play. He knew the puck was going to come to him, so he looked to see where the passing lane was and where. Leon Dreisaitl's stick was. So when the puck finally got to him, it was instantaneous. He was able to put the puck right where he needed it to be. And if it's not the perfect pass, it probably doesn't end up in the net because Spencer Martin got across. His body was almost all the way there. So if Leon Dreisaitl had to uh, hesitate at all to find a, a different shooting angle then that's not a goal. So credit First Nugent Hopkins finding the play and then putting it in the absolute perfect spot for Leon to put it in the back of the net.
2: The Oilers take it 3-2. Uh, Miko Koskinen now gets his second consecutive win. He stops 25 out of 27 tonight. Um, you know, I see some people debating the Elias Peterson goal. Well, you know, welcome to life as an NHL goaltender, I guess, Rob. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he faced two shorthanded breakaways. Uh, Tyler Mott beat him in the second period. And then obviously the save in the third. I mean, Dave Tippett didn't come out and say it. He said we would have been chasing again. I'll come out and say it. I think that would have effectively ended the game because it would have been 3-1 Vancouver with 11 and a half minutes to go.
6: Oh, I agree. And I said that to Bob after the game. That was the the two points right there. If the, their power play gives up a second shorthanded goal in a game and they fall behind by two again, that rejuvenates a Vancouver Canuck club that at that point was reeling a bit. And it deflates an another club that was... Uh, uh, being very aggressive. He made a big save. The Elias Peterson goal, that is a, a pure goal scorer doing exactly what he's supposed to do put the puck through the defenseman's legs, use the defenseman as a screen. And it's one of those wrist shots that it's hard to pick up for a goalie. So, yeah, it, when Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisett will shoot like that and they score, we all applaud them. So I'm going to applaud Pedersen. That, to me, that is just a goal scorer goal. Uh, but Koskinen made the saves he had to. He wasn't nearly as busy as Martin was in the other end, but we talked about that, I think it was after the first period, that there were going to be lulls in this game where Koskinen would be lonely because the puck was going to be in the opposite zone. But at some point, he was going to have to come up with a save because the puck was going to come out in a grade-A scoring chance, and Mott had that. Connor turned the puck over at the blue line, and all of a sudden it's a breakaway for a guy who's already scored shorthanded, and Koskinen made a big save, and it was shortly after that that the Edmonton Oilers tied the game up.
2: And Ryan McLeod got the comeback started for the Oilers at 6'33 of the third. I mean, he busts down the right wing, and uh, you talk about it a lot, shooting from bad angles because you never know when one is going to slip in.
6: Well, it's really hard for a goaltender to front uh, a shot from a bad angle because when you're facing in normal areas, the goaltender's tracking it and he's getting them spotty in a position so that he knows, okay, here's where I'm going to stand, cut the angle. And this is how I can deflect the puck into where I want it to go. Now, A, it's not a good goal, but if you watch at the end of every night, if you stay up and watch the, the, the sports net and all the different highlights, every night there's bad angle goals scored every night. And there's uh, a goaltender can try and cover everything. And you could. It's, it has to take a perfect and lucky shot to beat you. And that's what that was. But it was a shot. And McLeod's had open nets this year where he's tried passing the puck. And on this one, it was simple. You're coming with speed. And again, when you're coming with speed, the goaltender's having to back up. So he's moving backwards as you're shooting the puck stride. Uh, well, you're not going to compare it compare him to Mark Messi, but that's how Mark Messi used to do. He used to come down with speed on his off wing, off back foot, and just fire one at the net and had a ton of success doing it. So McLeod, I think, just learned in the last little while that there's no such thing as a bad shot. And sometimes you get a little lucky. And when we talk about when there's puck after puck and shot after shot going in on a goaltender, eventually something's going to slip through. And with Martin, I mean, I don't know what shot that was for for the team. That might have been around 40 on the night, but it just snuck through. And then all of a sudden there's belief with the Oilers, and there was a little fear in the Vancouver Canucks. And the Oilers ended up getting two points because of that goal.
2: That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. 3-2 Edmonton wins it in overtime. I want to ask you about the decision at the start of overtime uh, as it was McDavid... Nugent Hopkins and Nurse together to start. Uh, I I know Louie and Jack were talking about when was the last time that that happened. Well, I think it happened last year in Montreal. Remember when they played those two games against the Canadians that didn't really have any impact on the on the standings. And I think Cahoon and Dreisaitl might have started or they might have been the second wave out because remember Cahoon scored in overtime one of those games uh, but there, there's a bit of a choice there instead of starting Leon and Connor they started McDavid and Nugent Hopkins as the forwards.
6: Well, a lot of it has to the Others haven't been as good in overtime as they have been in the past. You know, two years ago that never would have happened because Connor and Leon finished every game usually in the first minute, minute and a half of the the overtime but the Oilers haven't had success and what with Vancouver missing some top end talent, a Horvat and a Garland, if you, if you don't win it in the first shift, well, now the second shift comes up, Vancouver can't match up as well. And nothing against Dickinson, who was out there uh, when Connor scored back checking. He's not Connor Garland, he's not Bo Horvat. So if you split those two players up, Connor and Leon, as Louis de said on TV, your second unit's got a 50 goal score and the league's leading score coming out. So usually the team sends their best players out. So the Vancouver Canucks survived Connor McDavid and out comes the NHL's leading scorer scored 50. So I like what Dave Tippett did. Anytime you have success and you do something different, you're going to be praised for it. So Dave Tippett feeling pretty good about himself with that decision.
2: All right, let's go back to Vancouver. The guy who got the overtime winner, Connor McDavid.
3: That being down two nothing and following up Saturday's win with another victory tonight.
7: That's important. Um, you know, you got to get it, You want to get it on a little roll here. Um, obviously, that's the main focus. And um, you know, it was a big win on Saturday, it was a big win tonight. Um, you know, but uh, got to keep marching forward.
3: Now, throughout the losing streak and that fourteen, sixteen-game span, I should say. You guys felt like you guys were doing a lot of the right things, but just weren't necessarily getting the bounces your way. Did you guys feel like you guys got a bounce on McLeod's goal?
7: I mean, it's 16 games. It's tough to, to blame it all on bounces. No, you know, we, sure. did, we didn't. Uh, you know we weren't playing our best hockey we knew that you know um, um you know but bounces do go a long way in this game and um you know codder found a way to sneak one through there on a guy that was playing pretty well so um it was a big goal for us to, and uh, kind of got us back in it
3: what about on a personal level uh quite a time to get back in the goal calling first goal in 16. yeah i've been a bit
7: snake bit you know uh, i feel like i'm getting my chances but you know haven't had uh haven't been able to put one away so you know it was nice to to be able to contribute and uh and find a way to score a goal
5: Okay. That's two in a row where you're down 2-0 in the game, Connor, you find a way to come back. What does it do for the confidence of the group?
7: Yeah, that's not a recipe for success, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we can't find a way to seem to score the first goal. So if you can't score the first goal, you got to be able to come back in games. So, you know, we've done that two nights in a row and, you know, focus is on a good start on Thursday.
5: What's the conversation like, the mindset like against the goaltender? I'm guessing you would have known from the OHL, but... A guy we haven't seen at the pro level in much at all, and maybe guys don't know about what was kind
7: of the approach there. Yeah, uh, it seems to go either two ways with guys that you don't know. You know, they either lay an egg or you know they're amazing, and uh, you know we've seen both. And um, you know tonight he was uh, he was amazing. You know he played well. We had lots of chances. You know he made saves. Uh, he was in the right position all night, and um, you know, we had to work for our goals, and, and we found a way to get a couple by him
5: nico has been under a lot of scrutiny. That save on Tyler Mott in the second of breakaway. What did
7: that do for your group? Yeah, massive. He really bailed me out there. Um, you know, going down, uh, I guess would have been three-one. There would have been uh, would have been tough, but uh, you know, we would have we would have continued to battle. But you know, obviously Meeks has uh, has taken a lot of heat, and um, you know, we we, we want to play well for him in front of him and you um, know make his nights easier. And uh, you know that we didn't uh, necessarily do that tonight, but you know, he made a couple big saves, and that was one of them.
5: I do, do, do you remember Spencer at all from from the OHL? I mean, a long time ago, but just curious. Yeah, for sure.
7: You know, he was a, a GTHL kid, and um, you know, he was great back then in minor hockey, and he was good in junior. And you know, he's kind of one of those guys where you're just waiting for him to make it to the NHL. And for goalies, it takes a little while longer. And you know, it seems like he needed a bit of a break. And you know, uh, with the you know the COVID bug going around, it seemed like that's kind of his break. And he's played well. Um, you know, he's played really well.
3: Connor the return of Newton Hopkins today you playing on a line with him what can you say about his game and especially on that path to dry sidle?
7: uh he sees the game so well he's such a great player um he's uh he's so smart out there um and he just makes the game so much easier for everybody around him so great to have him back in the lineup and, and you know that's an all-world pass to, to find Leo there and you know when Leo gets chances like that they usually go in thanks thanks
2: all right, that's Captain Connor McDavid, a goal and an assist tonight as the Oilers come back from 2-0 down after two periods to beat the Canucks 3-2 in overtime. We have time to hear from you, of course, on the hotline, 780-496-0063. It's presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Oilers take it 3-2 in overtime. Back in a couple of minutes with more Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
0: Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. McDavid, but he lost it to Mott. He'll get a shorthand, a breakaway. Mott comes in, shot, oh, the save by Koskinen. Got it with a pad, made the two-pad stack.
2: Yeah, that is Miko Koskinen's save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at Reface Magic. Koskinen gets the victory, so his record on the season, 14-8-1, 3-2. The Oilers win in overtime. Their record, 20-16-2. The Canucks get a single point. They are 18-19-5. Oilers back home on Thursday to take on the Nashville Predators, who played tonight. We'll go through the scoreboard here in a couple minutes, but first let's go to the certainty hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Sir Robert standing by. Hey, Sir Robert, go ahead. Hey boys, how you doing? Pretty
1: good. Well, I go well, I guess I wanna start with I have a I've got a have uh, got a uh, uh uh I've got a quick question here for Rob. I guess uh, uh, I guess my question is on that uh on that uh uh, uh on that goal by uh McLeod, I know we, you know, I know we talk about, you know, shooting and sh- shooting the puck and getting it on net. But I guess uh, 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 you know, but like I guess uh, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, uh, if you're shooting it, if you're shooting it from that angle as a player, are you shooting that because you see a hole there, or are you shooting that thinking, okay, I'm just hoping that it hits the goalie and goes in?
6: You're shooting it because you have no other play. You know, you're not you're not thinking it's going to go in. You're just putting the puck on net because it's a shot on net, and anything can happen, but. Normally, when you shoot from there and the puck goes in, you're quite surprised. And I'm sure McLeod was. You could see it in the expression in his face. But you put, and he put it in the right spot. You want to go in the feet area or somewhere, because when you go down in a butterfly, put it in the feet or right around the, the sides of his body. You don't want to go high, because normally going high, the goaltender is just going to block it with his gloves. But put it in an area where he can't move it. It just If there's a spot, if you can hit the spot, it goes in. So that was a great place where he put it.
1: Yeah. Okay. No. And I guess I have a, I have a couple thoughts too. I guess you know, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm still a little concerned with this trend of them falling behind every game. I mean, we've been, we've been kind of uh, beating a dead horse for two months about that now. But you know, I think, uh, I think if they're, if they're going to find a way to get on a, uh, on a uh, consistent run, I think, uh, I think something has to change there. They need to find a way to turn that around. Start. To, Start finding a way to score first. One thought, and then uh, my second second quick thought here, I guess, is on Nuge. I thought tonight he looked good. Now he had a now he had a, he had a couple chances. That that, that pass he made to sidle, I mean, like the vision there, because because it, like, it, it was it was so quick. It's like he got it. Quick pass, boom, shot, goal. So I guess uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll leave it at that.
2: Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Robert. <laughs> you know, Rob, it's it's. I mean, as we've said several times, it's just crazy talking about the first goal against. So ten in <laughs> yeah. a row, ten mm-hmm. in a row, sixteen of the last 17, 25 of the last twenty-nine. The others have allowed the first goal. This was their thirty-eighth game of the season. They've scored first ten times. Well, and
6: what, Reed, like, this is a team. This is a team that has the two best players in the NHL on it, including the NHL's leading point getter. And Connor McDavid, it's not the Detroit Red Wings. It's not the Arizona Coyotes, uh, the, the expansion Seattle crack. And this is a team that's got the two best offensive players. It's not not just the best two best, you know, maybe all-round players or, or guys that are capable of playing in both ends. These guys are, are made for offense. So that's what's more shocking about it. They've got two guys that put the puck in the net consistently and have for the, their entire NHL careers yet aren't able to score before the other team does. So it is silly. And again, it's, the Oilers have shown the ability to come back in games. But again, it's one thing to do it against Vancouver. It's another to do it against Vegas in the playoffs or Winnipeg in the playoffs or St. Louis. Or You, you, you need to get that out of your game because odds say when the other team scores, they're usually going to win the hockey game.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, the NHL record is 60. And that was literally the worst NHL team to ever play, <laughs> the Washington Capitals <laughs> and the
6: So that's what I mean. It, it, yeah. it, it, the Washington Capitals were a team that I mean they probably had no one that had over thirty-five points on their team. are they're going to probably have the other probably going to have the leading score and the second leading score. They're probably going to go one-two by season's end, and yet they still can't score first and the thing is some of these games it's it's not as though there was a stretch where in the first three four minutes of a game the other team would score and there's been games where it's been in the first shot on net and those are hard to it's hard to beat that but we have games that are going late in the first games that have gone into the second period where they've given up the first goal and still your top two players aren't able to score first so you would hope it's a trend that eventually evens out and if it does that bodes well for the others in the second half, but uh, they're getting saves now. They're getting timely goal scoring late in hockey games. Hopefully now the next thing they fix is their early starts.
2: Well, they like playing in the division now 10-2 and two against the Pacific Division with the win tonight, so that's something to keep in mind there as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to com. How about this, Rob? The Edmontonian, Tyler Ennis hat trick tonight so he goes from one goal to four as the Senators pound the Sabres five
6: nothing I tell you if you're a stats freak and most pro hockey players are and you get the stat sheets before every game I tell you it looks so much better when there's a four beside your name under goals instead of just one and uh, it's nice when uh, an offensive player gets rewarded I've, I've seen he played well when he played against the others last time they were here and this time he got rewarded tonight so good on him
2: Dallas all over the New Jersey Devils. 5 1 is the final. The Penguins take down the Coyotes 6 3. They got four goals in the third period to take control of that one. Hurricanes get a 4 3 overtime victory over the Golden Knights. Ajo scored twice, including the game winner. He's up to 19 on the season. The Panthers beat the Jets 5 3. I mean, I have a few scores along the way here, and I know it's early, Rob, but they do help the Oilers. Jets losing. Vegas only gets a single point. Uh, the Predators, who are going to be here on Thursday night, win in Seattle 4-2. Okay, and a couple things to mention from this Islanders-Flyers game. Rob, first of yep. all, Keith Yandel, the the record for most consecutive games played, 965. Incredible. And uh, the Islanders win 4-3. Four, four, By the way, the Flyers are winless in 13
6: games. Well, I think what it's showing you too is it's not so much the first coach they fired. This might be something on the general manager because this is a team that was built and it was supposed this team was supposed to be better. This was supposed to be a playoff caliber hockey club. Uh, and they are abysmal. So it'll be interesting to see at the trade deadline because in the west there's a lot of teams of that are out of the playoffs. In the east you could almost say the top eight teams are in. The Islanders with an outside chance, but they have to have something silly to go to to come back and, and make a playoff. So it's almost the top eight are already set out in the East. The Philadelphia Flyers got a couple of players that are unrestricted free agents, including Claude Giroux. If he allows himself, because I'm guessing he's got a no trade or he gets to decide, you imagine that pickup for any team that wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. Claude Giroux not only is he a great offensive player. But he's got some nastiness in his game. He's the kind of guy you want on your team in a playoff. So, yeah, the Philadelphia Flyers are bad, really bad. And it's got to be a very, very ugly time. And that's where you feel for this. That's a pretty amazing uh, moment. And it's in the midst of this horrible, horrible losing streak.
2: Really weird season there in Philadelphia. They started the year 4-1-1. and They were 8-4-2. and Then they had the 10-game winless skid. And the reason I say winless and not losing streak is because the NHL records it as a winless streak if you do get a couple of overtime points. So they were 0-8-2. And then they came out of that with a run where they went 5 and 2 and were back above 500. And now they haven't won a game since December 30th. So it's not as if they haven't played well uh, in stretches, but uh, I, mean, I mean, look, we, and I'm not saying necessarily the Oilers are totally out of it. We'll see where it goes. But we saw the Oilers win, you know, twice in 14 games. Well, the Flyers have had a 10 game winless skid, and now they're in the middle of a of a 13 playing Los Angeles next in a few days.
6: Yeah, no, it it would be an ugly time there, and. Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling they may be cleaning house a little bit when when season's end. This is a team that's underachieved now for a few years and it's just come to a boil this year. So uh, look for the Philadelphia Flyers to start unloading players over the next little while.
2: Okay, and right here on 630 Chet, the Oilers win it over the Canucks 3-2 in overtime. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Gold light on 630chet.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. All right, let's visit the CertainTeed Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Steve standing by. Steve, go ahead, my man.
5: Hey, Rob. I've got a... Uh...
8: A uh, question for Rob on a possible solution for scoring the first goal in the first period, which has been an issue. Mm-hmm. Rob, with all the teams that you played on and all the guys you know in the league, when you were in the room, did a coach ever say to you, or not you, but the team, guys, I'm putting 75000 on the table. <laughs> <laughs> to the next guy that scores the first
6: bloody goal in the first bloody period. The the problem is 75,000 to me, my first NHL year, that might've been how much I made the whole season, 75 grand to this. Like some of these guys probably have it in their pocket. You might need a little more incentive. I can tell you this, that I have played on teams where there have been incentive, financial incentives for certain things, whether it's a win, whether it's a five game segment, Uh, a weekend in the minors. We have three games this weekend, this many points, you get this much money each. So I have played on teams with incentive that way. Um, I'm not sure in today's NHL, A, if you can do it, because then it would probably count against the salary (laughs) cap or B, how many of these players need it. Now I can tell you, these players are trying to score the first goal, but I can tell you this. If somebody was to put $75,000 up for the next oiler game, for the first goal, I will ask for a tryout. I could use that seventy-five thousand. I will stand in front of the net and take a beaten. I think I can deflect something off some body part to gain that seventy-five thousand. I've got a willingness to win some money. You know, I'm just trying
2: to look this up. I can't remember the name of the player, but you remember Jeff Fisher coached the the Tennessee Titans. Yep, mm-hmm. he coached other teams, but I think it was when with the Titans. I I man, I'm trying to just Google it now, but of course as I'm doing it on the fly, I, I'm probably not gonna come up with it in time. Uh but there was a a player who reached some kind of a milestone and he gave him some very expensive bottle of fine wine. And the NFL said that counts against the cap. Like that's you know, a form of payment to the player, <laughs>
6: well, yeah, something and, of that value. Well, yeah, you're right. So and I don't know if a coach
2: would I mean. if the players got together and each put some money in. I don't know if it's could... different.
6: And, and players do in the National Hockey League, and I'm guessing they still do it now. They did what I did. If, if I was coming to Edmonton, my hometown, I would throw $100 on the board. So whoever gets the game winner tonight gets 100 bucks, or $100 will go into our team party fund. So players do do that. But yeah, if, if a coach puts it on the line, then, or a team puts it on the line, there will be a sour cap implications. And unfortunately for the Oilers, $75,000, that might put them over at some point here in the next little while. There might have to be a player have to sit out and make sure that uh, that guy gets to 75 grand, but it might be worth it if they can get them the first goal in a hockey game.
2: I, I got to say, I like the way Steve is thinking. He must do his best thinking between 11 p.m. and midnight. That's what I that think.
6: That is a very good thought process. Yeah, I, I, I do like it too. And you know what? I, every th- Thursday morning, I'm on the ice with my, or, well, there'd be grade threes, fours, and five. For a little money up, I could score on some of those little goaltenders <laughs> for the first goal of the morning. <laughs> Go bar down on the little seven-year-old, oh, then celebrate the right money. in front of them.
2: <laughs> taking the lunch money from the kids. That is incredible. Uh, we do have a winner of a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. I set the line before the game at two and a half for total power play goals in the game. There were zero. <laughs> so Dan gets it, River Cree Resort and Casino excitement, Bet on it. He took uh, the under tonight. There was a shorthanded goal. So the Oilers were 0 for 3 on the power play, and uh, the Canucks were 0 for 1. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with an XPowerProducts.com. You know, the Vancouver fans were uh, booing the penalty call in the third period, the, the cross checking call against Connor McDavid that was uh, assessed on Ekman Larson. You know what, Rob? If to me that's a penalty all day long, but this is what we talk about sometimes. The problem is is that push from the back isn't always called. Like we've seen mm-hmm. more vicious ones than that, uh, not called this season. And I, I think probably that's the, the one I find the most frustrating when a cross check near the boards isn't called. So I I, I like I, I think that should be called all the time. But I imagine there were Canucks fans sitting there like, wait a minute, five games ago that happened to JT Miller, Peterson, whoever, and it mm-hmm. wasn't called.
6: No, you're right. They probably could have yelled at the Brad Hunt penalty on Connor McDavid. That was a terrible call. Uh, but the the one tonight on McDavid behind the net, the thing is, it wasn't a hard cross check. And we see way worse throughout the game in, in open ice or in front of the net. But it's just when you're skating towards the boards, it doesn't take much. It, it, it some guy can just give you a, a slight shove something that you would you would do when you're opening a door but just because you're in a prone position and if you toe pick or it gets you just at the right moment when you're crossing over it could have disastrous results and that's what you got to get out of the game i agree 100% that is a penalty and it should have been a penalty and it and i can see where the players like i didn't push him hard but you don't have to push him in that position because at that point he's going towards the the boards and if he goes down the first thing that's hitting the boards is his head or his neck and bad things can happen so yeah the 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 hunt penalty not not a good call that penalty it's automatic you got to call that every single time and you're right they don't and it's too bad
2: Someday somebody's going to look at my search history for tonight and wonder, why was Reed Googling Jeff, Wisher, Jeff Fisher wine salary cap? I hope I got the right coach.
6: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> the best part is you're doing that. I know for a fact that if I start playing with my computer, trying to Google something, I'm going to end up not being on air anymore. Or I'm going to have something come on air that shouldn't come on air. So I just completely stay away from my computer in moments like this. Okay. 7804960063.
2: I might have the wrong coach. i got to find out now before the end of the night. Uh, we'll welcome Scott to the show as the Oilers win 3-2 in overtime.
8: Hi, guys. Hey, go ahead, buddy. Thanks for taking my call. Um, a couple things, uh, especially about overtime at the end here, but I just wanted to say firsthand, um, I was really disappointed in when I looked at the pregame lineup tonight. And I uh, just, uh, well, just mostly for me, it's JP and um, Yamamoto where they were placed and whatever. But that being said, I, I shut up because we totally accommodated tonight. And hats off to Tippett the way they were. And I've been all over Tippett lately, so that takes a lot for me to say. But last year, uh, I, I talked to you guys, and you guys kind of ganged up on me a little bit. Because I wanted, uh, and this is uh, in all regards to overtime tonight, and I, I just loved seeing McDavid and Drysaddle split up. Loved seeing JP out there. Loved seeing uh, Keith out there. And I was like, okay, is this, who, who's making these calls? It can't be, pivot. but at the same point in time, last year I was, uh, when you guys ganged up on me, you and Rob, uh, it was about JP and Chase on. I wanted chase on out of there. I wanted JP on on the power play, and we also talked on that same segment that uh, that these guys are taking too long on the um, on the shifts. McDavid and and uh, Drysaddle, and okay, McDavid can handle it a lot better than Drysaddle. Dreisaitl. saddle has got to shorten his shifts.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, I don't remember exactly what we talked about last year. I do have a question though. Uh... Yamamoto Puliyarvi. I mean, they had pretty good centers tonight. So wh- yeah. where did you want? Where did you want to see them? I, I wanted them switched. At, oh, I see. Okay. For,
8: for me, for me, um, I think uh, Yamamoto has been gifted top top uh, six minutes since he got into the NHL. I don't understand that when you had. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that because uh, Yak. Let's say Yakupov. He was on in the running for the Calder with, with Kruger. Then Eakins comes in here and absolutely ruins him. Hey, Yakupov um, was no good. Well, well, okay, that's fair. But he was. How, how do you how do you run in? How do you get in the running for the Calder? You're absolutely. He, no
2: good? He, he had a good but run. Okay, he, he, guy, we're not, he talking, we're not, talking, he not, we're not talking. about player. Nail Yakupov. Like that's no, ancient. That's no, no. ancient history. Okay. Uh, even if you look at JP, when he
8: came in here, okay, maybe he didn't he didn't understand the language? That's the big thing. But it, it seems like a big thing with, uh, you know, our, our first rounders and stuff that they've got to, you know, put your time in on the third or fourth, third line especially. But Yamamoto, man, I mean, like, he's been gifted. I mean, you look at last year, uh, most of the year he did nothing for the first 25, 30 games this year, absolutely nothing. And,
6: he, and they just, I, I don't get it. Well, who, where would, who would you put on the first line tonight other than Yamamoto? I would have put JP on there. Yeah, Bill Yarvey's playing with Dryside, who's the league's leading scorer.
8: Okay, so, like, the first line, I mean, um, as far as JP goes, I mean, he's been playing with McDavid for most of the year. Yeah, and, I, and I mean, it, it got stale. Yeah, so I, I think, it yeah, yeah,
6: it I got think stale. By, the team the team, went, well, won two games out of its last 15. It got stale, so they had to make changes. Bill yeah, Yarvey's playing with the league's leading scorer.
2: I think when Hyman's back, Scott, I mean, maybe Yamamoto will get bumped down or Frogel Fro- 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 will get bumped down.
6: But, but my, Fro- my will get bumped down.
8: My whole point, guys, that, like I said, I mean, I was disappointed with it, but I had to shut up because it worked really good and we dominated. So, I mean, Well, Yamamoto had a good game. I thought Yamamoto had a, good had a very yeah, yeah, he got a, he had a pretty good game. I mean, that, yeah, but, I mean that's why you you're,
6: you're I mad that You're mad that Puljuhavi P- was playing with Dry. So that's what I don't understand. That's no, no, he's I'm leading the NHL.
2: No, no, he's not, not mad not about that. that, Rob. I'm not saying that, Rob, at all, at all.
8: I was just like disappointed pre-game before. I mean, mm-hmm. that they weren't swapped. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah that's, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying, though.
6: Yeah. Okay, we're good, guys. We're good. Scott, thanks yeah. for calling. So uh, this is, uh, to me, Pugliarvi, I like Pugliarvi better with, with Leon. And I I I know I look forward to Hyman, Pugliarvi, and Leon being a line. And then you can put... Who I mean, if you, pull, if you want to put Yamamoto with McDavid, if they go and get another player, which they probably are going to do to put with McDavid, you can put Nugent Hopkins up there. I want to see a big, strong line with three big men, Hyman, Poolyarvi, and Leon. They are very good from the top of the circles down. That's all of their strengths. And Yamamoto, I, I agree. Yamamoto, for the longest time, he was playing with Leon, who it was and is the NHL's leading scorer. And at one point, he had six points when Leon had 40. It wasn't good enough not even close to being good enough. And at that point, he should have been moved down. Now he's played well as of late, and he was very good tonight. He was very good in this hockey game, and he's trying to earn his spot in the top six. Now most players, and the one thing that the caller just talked about is most Oilers um, first-rounders have had to work their way up. That's not entirely true, because most of the Oilers first-rounders were very high first-round picks. They got quite a bit of ice time early. Yamamoto has had a longer string than most, And some nights he hasn't deserved it. But the thing with the Oilers is they haven't had any other options. And I think that's the biggest thing is the Oilers haven't had options. They're starting to get them, the addition of Hyman. Fogle is not a top six forward. And I think we've seen that. He's much more suited to play in your third line. And that's where the Oilers would be much more effective if he was there. The Oilers are another they're still a top six forward away from being having two elite top six. Line or top two lines, and then you can put Nugent Hopkins in your third line, and that makes a very good lineup if you can have Nugent Hopkins as your third line center.
2: All right, I found the article November 2003. It was Dick Vermeil when he was coaching Kansas City. Uh, he gave, he said he would give Morton Anderson the an expensive bottle of wine if he kicked a game winning field goal against Oakland. Uh, which he did, and then the NFL said, "No, no, no. That's a performance bonus that is not mentioned in the
6: contract." What's well, funny? I'm pretty sure that his he was going to try to kick the, the field goal, anyways. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm I'm not sure if I want to make this or not. You're going to give me wine? Well, you know what? Now that I'm getting no, wine, no, I'm going to <laughs> do that. And that's kind of funny. It was a, it was a kickers weekend this weekend in the NFL, so it kind of ties right into that.
2: All right, uh, Darren, we're going to get to you in a couple minutes. We just got to call a quick timeout. The Oilers rally to win 3-2 in overtime against the Canucks. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open.
0: Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 chair. As the Oilers buzzing down by one with 9.39 to go into third across. Drysdale scores! with a one-timer, and this game is tied at two.
2: Yeah, huge pressure from the Oilers there. Started on a power play. They kept it up. Nugent Hopkins goes across the ice to Dreisaitl, who fires it a one-timer. His 29th of the season. That tied it With 9.36 to go, the Oilers did have to kill off a penalty in the third period after that, the only uh, time they were shorthanded tonight. And then McDavid wins it in overtime. The shots in overtime, 9-1 in favor of Edmonton. So they finally cash in to get the 3-2 victory. Okay, let's go back to the certainty hotline. We have Darren standing by. Hello, Darren, go ahead. Hey, guys, what a game, eh?
9: Yeah, no kidding. Um, Just before the point, I was actually calling in about... uh, That last call you had, I thought that was kind of funny, like um, just the whole Yamamoto thing, like if you want to bring Tippett into it, I think a coach's job, like the coach is coaching in the here and now, not what has happened in the last 40 games or whatever. Yamamoto had eight points in his last nine coming in, Um, so I don't know who else was going to play with McDavid when Pui Arby's with dry settle, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting call. the point I was actually going to get at was, so Spencer Martin, I mean, it's a very small sample size, but this game against Florida and his game tonight looks like a pretty solid goaltender, and the way the Canucks are going, I think they're going to be selling the farm over there to some extent, and I think that opens up the possibility of a Maybe one of the goalies there. I don't know if it's Halak yeah. or Martin or... Darren, I got to you know, add it to Martin you. Is the, not if Martin is the, uh, like, the guy yeah, he, for Edmonton, but I just uh, mean I, uh with a D-man or something like that. What do you guys think?
2: Well, first of all, I got to add it to you because I, I got to admit, halfway through the second period, I thought, when are we going to get that
6: call after the game? <laughs>
5: <About> <laughs> well, what's, Spencer what's,
6: fu- what's funny, Reed, wasn't Demko... He was a like second, third string guy that had the good playoff and ended up stealing the job a couple years ago. Well,
2: he was a second string guy that had yeah. the
6: hot playoff run and then kind of moved up. Moved he's, he, the, mean, he's a good
2: goalie. He's, a he's, he's, good got goalie. A nine, he's got a 9.17 save percentage. I mean, he's yeah. not going to be available. No. He might be able been. to get Halak cheap, who's has a 9.15 save percentage. But, no, he's only played eight games.
6: But the Vancouver Canucks have belief they can get back in this playoff race, and they will for quite a while. They might not in a They're, month. Well, no, but they're not, I can't see them doing making a trade with the Edmonton Oilers in the same division.
2: Well, fair comment. Okay. That would, yeah, a
6: little that's, more rare for sure. Not fair.
2: fair.
6: But, but, but actually, good, like, point. Like, good point. Good point because that kid has played well, and it's kind of hard to say, all right, you're going to go back down and be our fifth-string goaltender again because, ooh, you're pretty good.
2: Darren, are you still there? Go ahead, man. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay.
9: Um, like, I was thinking, like, They have Demko, right, and he's a young goalie, so he's going to be the number one there for who knows how long, right? So a guy like Martin, if he shows he can play, like I don't know if it's conceivable for Vancouver to trade him to Edmonton, but at this point, like you're not going to have to give up much for Martin. He's played. I think less than ten ten games in the n h l um five, like, yeah. He, yeah, so like imagine if you could pull something off for Martin and you have Skinner and Martin in the pipeline, and you got two goalies over thirty, and Skinner's looking like he can be in n h l every day and let's say next year, maybe the year after, right, I thought that was kind of just what I saw tonight, like the save he's making like. Like he looked
6: like a solid goalie and he's only
2: twenty six, so yeah he did he looked yeah he's he looked not old
6: for sure. He looked very comfortable in that. Um what I hope and I don't know if he becomes an Edmonton there, I hope that he gets an opportunity to play somewhere. I really do. Uh it's it's a nice story in a in a silly year where you know players are out with COVID protocol and you got that one point they had four goalies in it and but it opened up opportunities and this kid had zero chance of playing. In the NHL this year, none, and all of a sudden, all your goaltenders get COVID at the same time, and you're not put on him for making, uh, having the, the the nights that he's had with this opportunity, because as I think Connor McDavid said after the game, it's either feast or famine. The guy comes in, no one knows about. He either has stands on his head, or what we've seen with Ottawa in the last couple of years, where the goaltender comes in and, and is absolutely horrific. So uh, I hope that this audition that he has had gets him a chance to play somewhere in the National Hockey League next year because he deserves it and to see what he's capable of doing. And I, I know that Jack talked about it on the game, he's undefeated this year in the American Hockey League. So I I hope he gets I hope he gets a chance. I don't know if it's here or not, but I do hope he gets a chance to play.
2: Yeah, and he's a UFA after the season, so uh, I mean, maybe yeah, he's going to somebody's going to take its chance on him as a as a backup in the off season. Anyway, the the Canucks also have Michael DiPietro, who is younger by four years, and also someone they drafted in in the third round. And, and I mean, as well, we all know, teams tend to lean towards their own draft picks if they're going to hang on to somebody.
9: Yeah, what I what I was going to add on is I think the Canucks are pretty hot on DiPietro, so that makes a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's 26 Like so you have your starter who's like I think Demko's what 25, 26 I could be off by a year or two um, and you have a backup in Halak and you have Di Pietro coming up the pipeline and this guy's come in and looks like he can play well that kind of leaves the opportunity to get something for him and let him go flourish elsewhere because you've already yeah. kind of got what you yep, need you're, you're, you're there absolutely in your goal right. for yeah. the future I think
2: yeah, yeah. Demko's 26. Be yeah. be a cheap pickup, too.
6: And Demko just signed and along to enough, too. oddly enough,
2: it was Demco that uh, supplanted uh, Markstrom during that little run they yeah, had in the second right, yeah. round in 2020, interestingly enough. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty neat how that worked out. Hey, Darren, thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll take another quick timeout. Ryan McLeod got a goal tonight. You'll hear from him next on Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers.
0: This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Here's shot from the right wing, scores! Down the right side, McLeod weasels it in
2: on the short side, and the Oilers have cut the lead to 2-1. Ryan McLeod's fifth of the season got the comeback started as the Oilers go on to beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-2 in overtime. Here's McLeod.
3: Ryan, you guys uh, broke a seven-game losing streak on Saturday. You guys come out with a gutty effort tonight. How important was it to follow up that win Saturday with the W tonight?
10: Yeah, I think it was huge. Uh, you know, obviously coming off a, a big losing streak, we're looking to get some momentum. and. You know, won a big one against uh, Calgary in the Battle of Alberta, and I kind of got our team back uh, back to where we want to be. You know, Miko's been playing great the last two games, so hopefully we can keep rolling. You talked about Miko
3: Koskinen, the guy on the other side of the ice tonight. Martin was very good. Were you surprised to
10: see your shot go in? Uh, I mean he was, he was playing unbelievable I'll give him credit he was you know he's shutting the door for us you know all game or against us all game and um, you know kind of it's just those little squeaker ones that go in first and kind of opens the door for the rest of them so it was uh, it was good to see you going in. For so many times throughout
3: your guys' losing streak you guys are talking about not being able to catch a break did you guys feel like you guys caught a break on your goal today
10: for sure I think uh, you know we've been looking for you know the first one and we haven't been getting it we' went down you know two in the last two games Uh but we've been battling back hard, I think uh, you know' it was just good to get a, get a, going get back and I think we hadn't we had a lot of momentum going and we just kept rolling with it. Of course allowing the first goal, let alone the first two goals is
3: not a recipe for success. but throughout this season, you guys never show any quit. Yeah, sometimes the results don't go your way. But the quit is never there. Is that fair to say?
10: Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm, um, you know, we got a really resilient group in there. I think everyone, you know, knows so much. We could, uh, you know, how quick we can score in bunches, and and uh, you know, Miko shut the door there, so you know, it was huge for us. I think
3: uh, you know we should keep rolling with that. What can you say about your team's ability to keep on pressing, especially on that power play? You guys kept going. Martin made a couple of great saves, but you guys didn't let your foot off the gas pedal.
10: Yeah, I think uh, I think just our bench has been really good. I mean, we have you know Connor and Leon, who's you know. Set the tone for us, you know. Like obviously, that huge goal there. So, um, I think our team is just, you know, super resilient. We could, uh, you know, always get back in games, and we should keep, uh, keep rolling, and, and uh, you know, keep getting those wins. One more question for me, Ryan. That
3: save by Miko Koskin on the penalty kill. I know you probably wanted that first one back, but to come up big in that moment.
10: Yeah, that was huge. I mean, it's kind of make or break for the game, it felt like. If that one went through, you never know what's going to happen. So that was a huge save. You know, he was, he was solid all night and uh, you know, really shut the door for them or for us. So that was, uh, that was unbelievable. that was really good to see you. I just ask
5: if you answered this already, but just the goal of what you were seeing against a goalie, you probably hadn't seen before on that chance.
10: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, early in the shift, I kind of had a chance to shoot and I tried to make a pass and I've been kind of getting, you know, they've been kind of telling me to shoot the puck a bit more. So I was coming down the wing and, you know, just thought you put one on that net and it you know, luckily squeaked through
5: mindset when you you're playing against a
10: goaltender that you probably don't know a lot about and he's playing as well as that yeah well uh he's actually uh, the goalie in uh in mississauga in junior hockey before you know i got there so i kind of know about him you know pretty well so um but yeah he's been playing unbelievable the last two games uh you know, he was shutting the door for them, like I was saying, and you uh, know, was lucky to get one through, and then we kind of started rolling with it. That's two
5: in a row where you guys have come back from down two nothing. What does that say about this team, and what does it do for the confidence of
10: them? Yeah, it just shows how resilient we are. You know, we haven't been uh, you know letting off the gas all year, and we're kind of finally getting our bounces. So, hope we can keep rolling with it.
2: That is Ryan McLeod gets a goal tonight. Leon Drysaitel ties it up. Connor McDavid from Darnell Nurse wins it in overtime. The Oilers outshoot the Canucks. 50-27, to 27, including 24-10 in the third period in overtime as the Oilers grab their 20th win of the season, their twenty-sixteen and 2 Our next game broadcast on 630 Ched coming up on Thursday, 5.30 face-off show game at 7 as the Oilers will host the Nashville Predators. You can always get more on the team on 630ched.com or globalnews.ca. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer tonight. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heart Portland Ford, overtime open line.
9: 630
0: Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.